All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In Podcast, episode number 235. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. In this episode, we are talking about Pixar's Turning Red, now streaming on Disney+. Plus. But before we get started, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you, you listen. Please try to leave a five-star rating or even a review. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook. You can email us at 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, lastly, don't forget to check out our merchandise over there at tpublic.com for t-shirts and masks and beer cozies and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, and actually, last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Run and Gun, starring Richard Kind. More about that later on in the show. All right. What does that shirt say? Uh, this is Daddy since 2016. <laughs> It was my son's first present to me on my first Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, so he was he he can he can read pretty well now, but like he can read the word "daddy" because it's in big bold letters, and then like the, the year he was born, which he knows, but he can't read the script where where it says "since." So we had a whole thing about this shirt today. So I was like, "Where'd you get that shirt, Dad?" Well, actually, you gave it to me. You were a baby, so the really? online shopping was impressive at that age. <laughs> The algorithm was working overtime. Oh yes. So um I've got my so Cisco yeah. shirt on. Oh yes. Cisco's Creole Kitchen. So there's a um I I, I can't tell if I've mentioned this restaurant before, but there there's a restaurant uh in my town in like not upstate New York, but north of New York. And um it's the strangest restaurant that has the most eclectic menu I've ever scene and the clientele is kind of all over the place but they're really big into like you know um pre- pre- premier league soccer um but their menu goes everywhere from like korean to creole and they have a gumbo on their menu that is just fantastic so whenever i i get the gumbo i think of uh, old man cisco taking that to his grave which he always <laughs> said which is a shame because gumbo is delicious and that so. guy really is dead. So Brock Peters. Yeah, he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all right. So turning red from the good people who brought you Toy Story and uh The Incredibles and a bunch of other things. Um a very different kind of movie <laughs> than Toy Story and The Incredibles. So uh you wanna give a synopsis and a you know what? What your thoughts on the film were? Um, all right. It's about the little girl who lives in Toronto, and she's turned thirteen, and she's ready to start her eighth grade. Right? She's in eighth grade. Yeah, they're middle she's not school. quite in high school yet. Yeah, yeah. middle school. And um, as school starts, she ends up discovering that as she's hitting puberty, her ancient <laughs> ancestor. <laughs> Passed down from the female line, the ability to turn into a giant red panda bear. And if you don't control your emotions, the panda comes out and you can be this dangerous creature. And so she has to live with this secret and decide what she wants to do. You know, if she wants to excise it from her and like her mother and her grandmother and everything. All the while she is trying to get to a concert for a boy band 
and get out of her mother's shadow because their mother is this domineering woman who wants her to do well in school and play instruments and mathletes and all this other stuff. It's all about how she juggles those two parts of her life as she matures. So it's, <laughs> you say it out loud, it's just insane. So it's one part Joy Luck Club, uh, one part <laughs> Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, and then one part The Incredible Hulk. Well, I was excited. <laughs> and a dash of Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah, and Teen Wolf. That was the other one that this, which I I've never seen Teen Wolf, and I I'm not worried about that. But it's, that's that's yeah. the other gist I get. It's, it's basically the same as this. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to match that all into one movie, you would get this. And and boy, are we wildly unqualified to be reviewing <laughs> Turning Red. So like we started watching it in my house because like oh look, a new Disney Pixar movie. We'll watch this with the kids one day when it cause it snowed here last week and we're like we're stuck inside. Dude, it's kind of crappy outside and we'll watch this new movie. And we got about twenty minutes in and my kids were like, "What is happening? Like this is too much frenetic energy even for my six year old." And then my wife and I are like, "Hmm, maybe not the most appropriate thing." Like. And it, it not so much in that we don't like we can't talk about that kind of stuff because like it's gonna come up eventually. I, I don't want to be that that dad that like can't talk about these things with his kids, but it just is so far above their heads that they just like what is everyone yelling about in this movie? And I'm like, we'll you we'll we'll come back to this another day, guys. Let's put on more Daniel Tiger. So yeah, well, you, it's not for little kids. Which we just didn't know, like, and so once when it, once it became apparent, like all right, well, this is not going to be inter- of any interest to you guys. So well, yeah, I I don't think there's there's nothing that tells you that it's not for little kids because it's drawn like it's for little little kids. Yeah, you know, like it has like the bubbly cartoon looking, you know, like they're people, but they're they're more cartoonish than they are in The Incredibles. I mean, it was really really <laughs> cartoony. Yeah. And it has a distinct um, anime style to it. You know, At the times, characters, yeah, when they like the characters do anime things, like when they cry and they get excited, their eyes get huge. You yeah. know, and like the water comes out of them, like fountains, like shooting out the sides of their eyes. You know, like they jump into instant poses, and like the screen flashes and pauses. I mean, it was very, you know, what do they call that? Japan animation, like whatever they call that. Yeah, it it, it it very heavily influenced by that style of of animation. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. It's really I don't know enough about anime to comment on on why it's drawn that way. It just is the style, but what I've noticed from the very little anime that I've ever seen is that when it's ported over to America, a lot of that stuff is frenetic because like it's poorly made and the animation cuts are jumbled and bad like it's not the drawing is styled that way but the the editing is done in such an odd and stilted way that pixar doesn't need to do that so like when it comes the editing comes across that way it's like jarring because you're like you know they're going from one pose to another like instantaneously and it looks herky-jerky because it's supposed to look like that yeah her her, her, her one friend who was keep just, up with <laughs> yeah like her like her one friend who was yelling every line which uh, yeah, i could have done without like, that one like that was just the constant quick motions into like 
different poses. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a matter, and again, I'm not an expert, but it's a matter of expense. Like they put out a tremendous amount of material. I mean, you just, I used to work at a Barnes and Noble years ago and you'd go, um, it's like you, you look at the, at the manga section oh, manga yeah. and it's like, it's massive. It took up like four or five bays and you know, you, it was the worst section to have to put back together again because not only were, you know, you can kind of color code some of the titles, but they were also, they were numbered and you, you know, some people would like, you know, try to put them back in order and it was just really frustrating and people would come little kids teenagers you know you know middle school and a bit up they would just plant themselves in front of these stacks and just read all day long they would sit there for hours and read volume and so like the the way in which manga is consumed i imagine mirrors the way that anime is consumed both in japan and here and where and wherever it's popular it's in that it's just volume. There's just a lot of material that people are sort of, you know, binging, and so to satiate that, they um they just produce they produce a lot of content, and therefore, you know, if you're trying to show someone jumping through the air, and like powering up or doing whatever, this sort of classic mode is just to have them like slide into frame and then the background be blurred and moving behind them at such a you know speed that like oh look they're going really fast. And it's just a style that was necessary that I guess they just said, well, this is it. Like, we're just going to lean in, into this now because this is what we think, you know, we can just make effectively forever. Yeah, I mean, without much cost. Develop that way and that became the thing. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of that in this too. Not the whole movie, obviously, but there there is that style to it. Yeah. And I mean, there's not too much to talk about in terms of, at least in my opinion, in terms of the the artistry with which Pixar is now making movies and, and Disney animation as well. But every now and again, you're watching one of these movies and there's just a scene that just sort of catches your eye. Like, wow, that will look, I mean like, cause you're as an adult, you're aware of how they made this. Like my son asked me the other day, cause he has a Chromebook now at school. Hmm. He's, he, he's in kindergarten and they just give them a Chromebook. And he says to me, hey, Dad, I've got this great thing on my Chromebook called YouTube. I went, oh, really? Okay. Hey, Dad, what what kind of Chromebook did you have when you were in, in, in kindergarten? And that was, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh, buddy, we didn't. And we had didn't these metal have. rods with beads on them and they <laughs> were colored say. and we used to slide the beads across. You know, <laughs> you know? and I'm, I'm going back to the first computer, the IBM we had. Which was not so old that you needed there, like there, there, there was a built-in hard drive, whereas some computers didn't even have that. There was two, two, two disk drives in the front of it, one for the program disk and one for the operating system disk. Right, I and this, that. this wasn't that. This was this, you know, the, the C drive, the C colon drive was built in, but it still weighed as much as a Volkswagen. And, yeah. and and the key having to type was like like you you'd need a mallet like whack a mole to type anything because the keyboard springs were so stiff and ka-ding, ka-ding, made this awful noise. Yeah, put so, my arm to the floppy disk. <laughs> yeah, you could spit it on your finger. You know. Yeah. So when I think about that, and I th- then I think about the scene in this movie where she, 
I think it's when the mother goes to like yell at the boy at the convenience store, and um, to the or it's either there or it's at the end after the party when they get back in the car and they're driving home. And there's the lights on the windshield or on the, the lights, window. The lights on the windshield. I was mesmerized by that. I was like, oh my yeah. God, would you look at that shot? It's just gorgeous because it's both... I mean, and that's the thing about these movies is that like they, the backgrounds that, that they create are very realistic and the characters exist almost separated from them. And I think this is a function of just the uncanny valley and that, like it's easy to, to recreate buildings and buildings bending light and all of the amazing things that wow me but still making a realistic human being is difficult to the point where like you just don't do it like it's not worth it trying to make the person look like a normal human being it won't work right and the audience will 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 be repulsed by it and they'll they'll reject it i think what was it it was the the final fantasy movie did this where they where they tried to draw as realistic looking humans as possible and not, and not only did that not work, but they also cast voice actors who were wildly unsuited to the roles. Like Steve Buscemi playing like a handsome guy in in that trailer I saw it was very sort of bizarre. Yeah. So, but uh, anyway, that that's just what. But like speaking of all the the the, the, the animation styles that they kind of play around with what what they what they all look like. Yeah, and like I. I noticed how good that looked because well, it looked really good, but it also stood out. Like so many other other parts of the movie didn't look like that. Yeah. So it was sort of jarring to be like, "Oh my god, it looks like that cartoon character is in the real world for you know four seconds that it's on the screen." But I was just like, oh, "Man, that's that's something." Yeah, and I mean, yeah. this is not a small budget. This is a two hundred million dollar movie. So like, there's not. Like, you know, Toy Story 4 was just about the most gorgeous movie I've ever seen in my life. It's just amazing when you look at all the things they did with light. But they didn't seem to spend as much time doing that here. There was, you know, pretty much straightforward cartoon scenes, like the setting of her house and of all these places. And then they would kind of, depending on the mood, sort of morph. So, like, there's the scene, you know, where they're doing the tourist, this is our temple thing, and I'm going to wear the goofy costume thing. And then the, the same location later on when the mother is showing her like the true meaning of this place and the family history, there's just a different tone to that scene, and therefore the whole thing looks different. It looks more serious. It looks more more realistic, and then they, they kind of morph into the whole like backstory, which was mercifully short, I have to say. I really enjoyed the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of explaining going on in this movie because the second you think about it for more than two seconds the whole thing falls apart like any good picture movie does so um so what did you think of turning red i really liked this movie i thought it was a great deal of fun and there was a a review that made its way i think from deadline where this guy i don't know who he is but like this, this thing went viral for a couple of days where he was saying, this is a great movie, but it's very, very specific. It has a very specific audience. It was basically Asian girls living in Toronto in 2002. And unless you're in that oeuvre, then you're not going to get this movie at all. And, you know, it, it cannot be enjoyed by anybody more than that. 
And that was kind of a dumb thing to say because the first part of it is, is true. It's very specifically targeted, and I do feel a little bit uncomfortable lending my opinion to a movie that was clearly not meant for me. But the reason I hate it when I feel that way is because I really liked the movie because there's something about it that is sort of universally appealing. You know, and if you do, if it isn't the mother daughter relationship, then it's the it's it, it, then it's the father daughter relationship, and if it isn't the, the 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 generational thing, it's the coming of age story, or it's the monster movie. Like, there's a lot going on here that most people can find something to relate to, and the, yeah, they do get very specifically, you know, not subtle about what this is a metaphor for. To the point where they, you know, she holds up a box of pads in front of her entire math class. And, of course, that gets one side of Twitter really upset about, like, no, we shouldn't be talking about this as openly as we are. And the other side goes bananas, too. And, but in the middle, it's just like, oh, okay, we haven't talked about this in a Pixar film before, but there it is. And, no, we shouldn't be ashamed of it, but, yes, it is awkward. So it's trying to, trying to balance everything. But I... I really liked it. I thought that as, you know, as frenetic a character as she was, Maylin, I thought that the movie acknowledged that she was annoying. Like, they didn't sort of paint her as being perfect otherwise. It was, she was definitely that weirdo kid that doesn't, you know, can't find her rear end with both hands some days and is bothersome to some people and doesn't make her out to, you know be some kind of a secret hero. She's just, you know, a scared and almost normal 13-year-old girl. Um, I thought it had a pretty good stakes, too, for a, a film that was ostensibly about bodily changes and, you know, growing up in different and mo- mo- moving on from, from your parents and, like, separating from your mother as you age and making different choices. That's not all that dramatic and insane, but then again, at the end, there's a giant red panda that smashes a stadium, and that's exciting. Like it's, like it, the the stakes become clear. And I thought there was, you know, a lot of really, a lot of sweet tender stuff in it, especially, you know, at the end when they, um, you know, when she's with her mother, like after the big fight. And they're in that kind of like nether realm or something like that where it's like a bamboo forest. And it's like very cleverly, by the way, how you visualize somebody banishing a panda demon out of them. Like I liked the way that they did that. Like it just looked kind of cool because I'm thinking like what is this going to look like? They're going to draw a circle because it's hard to balance all the realism with the insanity that is what's what's going on. And they draw attention to it at times, and you know, and the times that they do, it's sort of artfully done. Like the whole walking through the portal and having the panda leave your spirit and kind of go wherever else. But there's a moment in that part after the mom and the daughter have have like the the huge fight. They're trying to get the uh, the the mother to exercise her panda, which is a bizarre phrase, and. <laughs> They say um, panda a lot in this movie. I, they do. So it, it's, I lost you know. track after like 400. <laughs> it's a lot of pandas. Mm. Um, but how like the whole thing comes like the, it explodes and both mother and daughter find themselves in this forest and they're the same age. And then the, like, the, the mother is sort of like, you know, 
she admits the same things that the that the main character is feeling that I can't be who my mom wants me to be all the time. I'm not perfect. And you see right, you know, it's the opportunity that some kids have to see that their parents are really human and that they're not perfect and that that's okay and she takes her hand and like walks her down the like through the trees and she ages as she, as she passes each tree and by the end she's it, it's her mom and like mm-hmm. that really that was extremely touching <laughs> like that's it's visually well done you don't have to do anything they're like they're not talking it through you know there's there's some explaining in the movie but there's not a, t- a ton of over explaining in the movie there's just like this is what this is and we're going to deal with it and the certain things are done you know somewhat subtly even though the metaphor itself is anything but subtle so right. so yeah that's that's you know what would you think <laughs> podcast over <laughs> um i thought it was okay i thought the first half of the movie was annoying as hell yeah I was like, this this movie is annoying as hell. And like, <laughs> like, you know what I think? This is what I think. This is what I think. And like, I know the point is that she's supposed to be this awkward middle school kid, you know, because she's walking down and she's like, I'm this, I'm that. It's, I'm, you know, I'm ready for school. And like, everyone around her is like rubbing their eyes, <laughs> like rubbing their eyes, like, oh my God, this girl is so irritating. So like, that's part of it. That's, that's supposed to be, you know, an important thing. And then it, it softens after a while, but then the second half is all about her like being a panda bear sometimes and getting money for this concert that they really want to go to. And the metaphor is stretched so thin that I was, I actually lost track of exactly what was supposed to be happening. (laughs) You know, like it starts as a metaphor for puberty and getting her period and all these things. And then it extends into like, her mother's expectations and like expectations of the other women in her family and like choosing to separate from her mother and like, and like being a panda bear was everything. And then the rules started to like blur and stuff. So like they make this big deal that she has to get rid of the panda bear before the next red moon or whatever. And yet it seems like they can do it whenever they want to. Like they have to do it on the moon, but they can like bring it back. And then like, <laughs> I know the gag is that her mother's panda bear is the size of a building, <laughs> but why is it the size of a building? Well, uh, I'm I, not making like a nitpicky joke. It's just that it was only done to have this big silly scene. And I was like, no, I, I but it's supposed to be like her hatred. Like it's supposed to be a thing, right? It's her repression. The The mother, the rest of them don't have various sized panda bears because they all dealt with their with their pandas in their own way, and they were successful in in sort of burying that. But the but like the whole thing is that her her like like her like May May her mother is desperately seeking the approval of of her own mother of the grandmother, and so because she buried so much rage within her that when it that what like when it has come out um you know Godzilla size. it's Godzilla size. it's massive <laughs> it's just, just it's just enormous whereas the other ones don't carry that burden and like the reason that i mean so like what's not clear about the sort of logistics of the uh, of the panda is 
is who is whether or not the mother is lying when she says, "If we do this ritual before this this date, you can bury this forever and it'll be gone." And the and the truth seems to be, that's not true. You can sort of break that spell if you need to, and you know bury it temporarily and come back out and like it's it's not very clear it certainly seems like a plot convenience thing at the end well we got to all become the panda to help oh yeah well that's exactly but i'm not i'm not necessarily nitpicking like you know how does your magic world work it's more just that it's supposed to be one or you know two things but it it gets stretched over everything like the father has a really nice scene with her yeah. at the end where he because like he's supposed to be like this this whipped emasculated guy <laughs> who does whatever his wife tells him to you know it, he's a stereotype of that kind of thing and then at the end he has this nice little scene with her where he says you know when you're acting like a big panda bear and you're hanging with your friends you're you're overly goofy and weird and it's fun i like that about you and if that's a part of you that you want to keep then you, sh- you should do that. And you know, like they have this nice little thing where the mother is not involved. And I'm like, so then is it something she can like control? You yeah. can't control puberty. You just go through it and you come out the other side more, you know, not more mature, but you've changed. So like, it's not exactly settled what, what it's supposed to represent. Like it's puberty. It's the wacky weird side. It's it's getting away from her mother. Sometimes it's just anger. Like they treat it like it's something she has to get rid of. Yeah. You know, and like she lets that out at that party she goes to where she almost like eats that kid or something. But like it's it's supposed to be like all emotions, not just anger. So what would be the big deal to let the panda bear out except when she gets mad like the Hulk or something? Yeah. You know, and and that that causes plot things to happen because in one scene, she'll be angry, and then her mom shows up. And the next scene, where she's like dancing on the camera, and we're just giving them all big hugs. I'm like, I, I thought she was gonna rip their heads off. I don't understand this. Yeah, and I, I think part of that is the fault of the fact that like there's a, a miscommunication between, uh, Maylin and her mom in like the first you know 20 minutes of the, of the film, where her mom thinks she's gotten her period, and that she starts to have the talk with her and. Like there's, you know, it's it's supposed to be played for comedy, like oh here's this weird thing where like your mom thinks it's 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 her period, but really it's this other enormous problem that you know like that's a bigger deal than than somebody getting their period. She's a you know an anthrop an anthrop- anthropomorphic monster. So I think if you never had that scene where the mom brings the the pads into the bathroom and then brings ones to school, um. Like I think you'd actually be better off, you know, not ha- not mentioning um, her period at all as a possibility, but just allow the metaphor to hang out as it is, because once you sort of connect the two and make it so obvious, you're right. It doesn't seem to sort of have any structure to it. It's it's it spreads so thin it can't hold anything up. Like what is it's supposed to be a bad thing, but it's a good thing. But maybe the mom is repressed and it's not really a bad thing, but, you know, it can be such a bad thing that it makes you into an actual monster. And like, yeah, it just, it just, it's hard to connect emotionally with that because I'm not sure what it is I'm supposed to be 
sympathizing with. Yeah, because then once right. you do that, then you then you begin to think about it too. Like, wait, all the kids are cool with this? Like, everyone's just fine with... She's a monster. She's literally a monster. Could you imagine? Like, so, like, you, you really have to suspend disbelief on a lot of fronts, both in terms of what the panda represents and how the panda interacts with people who are not aware of the panda. Like, her friends, it's one thing. Like, my friends know my secret. That's That's a big part of this movie is her relationships with her friends are more important than that of her family um but everyone's okay with it like come to my birthday party she's like the first like social media influencer kind of thing like what exactly yeah that was a little somebody mentioned that in a review too where i was like i understand why they said it in 2002 because she's obsessed with boy bands and there's no internet. They all have flip phones. You know, it's it's before that kind of thing. And yet they're still behaving as though they were in 2021. Where like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how true it is in that kids still wouldn't do that. Like, you know, the cool kid came to my birthday. But like, they're, they're mugging for the camera and trying to get, they're selling merch at school. And, you know, because yeah. they're, they're trying to raise money. I, you know, I. I, I shrug at those kinds of things. It's a cartoon about a girl who turns into a giant panda bear. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you can't take it. I found the uh, I found the stereotypes also waffle between stereotypes and specific enough things about them that um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to laugh. You know, like it's a criticism yeah. of 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 Tiger Mom quote quote you know. Asian mothers who tend to push their kids a whole lot. I mean, I thought the scene where she goes and confronts that boy in the deli or whatever, I thought that was like a dream sequence. So did I. Okay, not just me. I was waiting for that to be because it was so like, it, it seems so bizarre and like, yeah, yeah it was like, presented in an odd way where she's yeah. like seeing it where everyone's making fun of her. And I was just like, this is like a dream, right? Like she's just embarrassed that her mother caught her drawing pictures of her like hugging a boy or whatever and then oh. they're driving away and i'm like oh it was real yeah that was you know like her mother comes across comically like an insane person <laughs> you know like like i know that mothers have driven to their daughter's school to give them more pads for their periods that's happened i know and it's sure. mortifying but she's also like standing outside behind a tree like stalking her in class <laughs> And the security guard is trying to like get rid of her, and I was like, "This is a parody, right? They're parodying <laughs> this stuff." And she's like a tiger mom, but yeah. But then you see that, and I thought it was odd that she's like a straight A student, and it at the end of the movie you find out she's not anymore because she's been spending all the time with her friends getting money for the concert. Like her mother looks under her bed at all the stuff they've been selling and is shocked that her daughter has lied to her. And in the corner are her grades, like papers, where she got like C's and B's. But that stuff got dropped. It was not, it wasn't important, you know, like it kind of fell by the wayside because we had to make room for more panda stuff. (laughs) So I was like, is this just supposed to be like a parody thing? Like, I'm I'm just, I'm just curious how it worked. Like, why was that also not parodied? What, like, why uh, was she only a tiger mom about certain things, but then, like, not about others? 
Traditionally, tiger moms tend to be very obsessed with grades and making sure your kid in kindergarten is on the track for Harvard and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think they got very specific with it, and that was sort of their problem. Like, she's, you know, she's big into, like, being, you know, helping with the temple and doing certain things, and, like, but she's, it's, it's not so specific. Like, there's a little bit where, like, she goes to, you know, I'm going to go with you to, like, to, to the mathletes thing, and, like, she seems to have an interest in her grades then. But, like, there's nothing specific about what she's talking about as the tiger mom to really, you know, like, they can get away with it because it, cause it's sort of... A, a general this is how tiger moms behave and this is how the, the like the daughter is supposed to be and when that doesn't gel because you see specific things that would indicate to you like oh look she got a b in this and she got a c in that and the you know the the, the like it's messy under the bed and this this whole thing but yeah she sort of picks and chooses what to worry about because they're not specific about the things she's She's not hammering home enough structure in terms of their relationship. It's like, you must be on time. You must be getting good grades. You must be doing this, playing, you know. That's just set up for you as this is what she does already. And I guess the mother, I don't know. There's not enough specificity in what the mother wants her to do. It's more about what she doesn't want her to do. Right. Yeah. So, I I don't. Sort of, it, it makes it hard for her to be consistent to, to be consistent in the child's behavior because when, when it changes so rapidly, she doesn't say you are no longer doing this. It's what are you doing? <laughs> she doesn't understand her own kid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's both obvious and not well defined all at the same time. Yeah. I I I think that guy's review is is silly to say that like it's it's not for him because it's about um Chinese girls in Toronto but like yeah it's universal it's universal enough that you can enjoy it like it's about a kid going through puberty hasn't literally everybody done that yeah it's yeah. I mean and that, and that's stupid too because I I don't want to feel like I can't talk about a movie because it wasn't meant for me. And a lot of people say things like that, and it makes me very angry because art is for everyone or art is for nobody. Like you you're you're either doing this to be shared with the world or you're not. And I and I am revolted by people who would make art to then hide it from people within a community to say this you 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 shouldn't behold this because you wouldn't understand it. That's the worst thing in the world because if you, you know, if you ever want people to understand things, you know, like, I, I'm not going to define art, but communication is a large part of it. It's an outward thing. It's an exhibition. And so, like, sharing it is part of the process. So to hide art from people because they, because you feel they won't understand it or to criticize criticism be, by saying, well, this is not meant for you is also stupid and by and, and and telling people this is good but it's not universal enough that you know it shouldn't be like you know people who don't fit a certain demographic shouldn't bother with it that basically just infuriates me and i i i think that you're you're wasting ink 
by typing that, and you should stop. <laughs> I mean, I, I read that review. I, I don't think he meant it in a bad way. Because I don't want to be gang up on this one random person. You know, no, I think it was yeah. just that, like he he didn't see the benefit as a as an adult man watching this girl this movie about a girl who turns into a giant panda, and to be like, well, I don't live in this town, and I've never experienced this culture, so this is. I think he got confused. It's it's not it's not a kids movie, right? No, it's definitely not a kids movie. And it, like the reviewer, it didn't seem to be malicious, just explanatory. It's it's, you know, it's just wrong, <laughs> you know. Like I'm not gonna say it was it was stupid or dangerous to say that, and like you know, but it's generally just incorrect that you know, because there is a lot universal about the story. That you know, um, especially compared to another recent uh, Disney movie. But before we do that, it's time for the for the ad. So, uh, as I said before, this episode is brought to you by Run and Gun, starring Richard Kind. The high octane thriller Run and Gun is now streaming on Redbox. After he is blackmailed into one last job for the mob. An ex-criminal must face his violent past to protect his family when a deadly double-cross puts him on the run from ruthless assassins. He's not a bad guy. He's just having a bad day. Stream Run and Gun instantly on Redbox On Demand today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures, and we thank Run and Gun for sponsoring the Three Drinks In podcast. So the other one we saw recently was Encanto. And you kind of have a similar thing going on in in uh, in can in can in canto or in canto in canto than you do here you have a basically a troubled family dynamic and one of the things that you had said and we talked about it that movie was that the stakes were generally very very low and the characters were very very large and the music was grand and their house was amazing and all this stuff but at the end of the day, it was just that, like, what's the danger of what's happening? They're going to, you know, their house is falling apart. They're losing all their powers. And when that actually happens, there is no consequence for it whatsoever. And they thankfully repair both their relationships and their home and then get everything back to normal at the end. But it didn't matter that it was temporarily unavailable to them. Whereas this movie is about sort of a somewhat smaller thing that everyone kind of goes through and end up, you know, artificially for sure, having a gigantic, you know, raising of the stakes when the red panda Godzilla shows up and starts smashing Toronto to pieces. So it, I think this was just done a lot better than that movie. And this movie is probably not going to get as much. So it's really because this is not a, you know, there's no singing and dancing, but there's no singing and dancing. Uh, it this this one doesn't have. There's nothing for little kids to latch onto. Yeah, you know, like ever since we watched Inside Out, I've been counting like all the action scenes in these movies because there were there were action scenes in that, but that movie was so far out there for little kids that they hated it. And so I was like counting how many there are in this, and there's like two, three, you know three if you count her at the party dancing with everybody so like at least this one's not for little kids either it's just that when you have a character who turns into a big fluffy panda bear 
it looks like it's for little kids, you know, it, but it's not Paw Patrol. So, which we could all it, thank God for. <laughs> yeah, it, it does a better job than Encanto, but it's not. And when I say it's not for little kids, it's just because they're, it's just beyond them. They're not going to understand. Yeah. 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 It's definitely, I mean, and it's funny because like, again, it's, it, it, I see where this guy got the idea that like this movie's, you know, not going to have enough universal appeal. You know, that's definitely true for children because it's so specific as to like 13 year old girl, you know, Asian 13 year old girl. Or you know, Asian Canadian. It's whereas in in Encanto, like there's no kids in Encanto. Is there's no toys? They're all adults, you know. But they're all, and, and and they're going through a, like a, a complicated thing. But it's I don't know. The the characters are painted sort of more broadly, more u- u- uh, utilitarian. And then there's music, which is just sort of the universal thing that gets gets people. And sort of you know engaged like that, but yeah, I mean that's so I, I I I I understand the impulse to say this is so specific as to be, you know, as to like you can't engage with it, but at the same time it's just like yeah, but no, like there's actually a lot more going on here. It's just it's just the age thing is kind of the problem. Like you're just if you're too young, you know, if you're like ten. You probably get it. If you're seven, you will not. It just it's not going to be there. Yeah, well, it's because she's going. You know, middle school's a a really awful time. <laughs> oh God, yeah. You know? yeah. I, I found that more. I mean, some some people are like this. I found that more unbelievable that her friends stick by her the whole movie. They have no problems. Like she she throws them under the bus at the end, but it doesn't last. You know, like. And like they're they're supposed to be all different. Like there's like the the one who's always wired, and then there's the one who's like too cool for everybody. She never raises her voice, and then there's like her best friend. And like you know, you have that in middle school, but you also turn on a dime on each other in middle school. Right. You know, middle school is cutthroat. That's pretty universal too. So like, I thought there'd be more stuff with that. You know, like when she's like, I can't go to the concert. And the other three are like, I guess we can't go either. I'm like, no, that's not what would happen. <laughs> that's just not what would happen. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm fine with there being like less accuracy in terms of that. Because it's sort of, that's the emotional core of the movie is their relationship. And so like the fact that they do have the one fight where she gets thrown under the bus. Yeah. These are the nicest girls ever. <laughs> you know like wow they, they're so accepting <laughs> i was around in 2002 nobody was that accepting <laughs> so yeah and they got um, like front row seats to that concert just walked up with a box full of cash and they were like here general admission like what general on admission the floor? <laughs> so they had to like push their way to the front i don't know what, what was the point of the boy being there was that some some sort of statement the boy was where now Remember the bully was at the concert too. Oh, I th- think I don't remember exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that he was like making fun of them for liking the band, but then, um, I mean, he was making fun of them for everything, right? But like, then he ends up like having the same interests as them. Yeah, I guess 
Is that supposed to be a thing? I guess so. I don't know. Like it wasn't. I actually I, I don't recall that very well, so I don't remember what what exactly. Oh, because I go there and he's like at that concert, and he's like bedazzled. He's bedazzled up. He's got the t-shirt <laughs> on. He's got the Mardi Gras mask. He's got everything. And they're like, oh, my God, you're here. And then, like, they become best friends. And they see him at the end of the movie. He's hanging out with the girls. I'm like, is he supposed to be gay? I was um, Once again, I was around in 2002. You would never admit that you liked a boy band. No. You would yeah. listen to them. Sure you would. But you would never tell anyone. And you certainly wouldn't go to the concerts. No, they were just... You know, so I was just like, all girls. I mean, what's what's the point of this? I mean, maybe it was just as simple as that, like, you know, they had something in common, even though they thought they didn't. Like uh, he's, yeah. he's secretly a, a Four Town fan as well. Yeah. But, and why were they called Four? I, mean, I know why they were they were called Four, four Town, even though there's five of them. But like, why 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 have that joke? Like the Four thing is apparently it's 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 a Chinese superstition that the, that the number four is bad luck. Yeah, and but there so, are five of them. But there are five of them. So I and the don't... mother even says that like there's <laughs> there's five of them. <laughs> Why are they called Four Town? And I'm thinking to myself like first of all that name makes no sense. But secondly, it's just bad. Like they they can't count. Like you know five town. Yeah, I thought they come back to that. They didn't really, <laughs> they say, never really say anything. So, but it was cute that at the end that they had like a picture of all of them together. In their shrine, they had like a picture of her as a panda and her friends, and like four town guys are hanging out, like pointing at the camera with them. <laughs> I forgot I like, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The movie oh, was the got... movie was funny. Like it was, I giggled a bunch of times. It was definitely funny. Like, and that's that that's saying a lot because like Encanto was not funny. No, and they and you want these to be funnier. Like they're all. They yeah, you do. Because they, they're they, all dealing with these heavy things, you know? And they're also cartoons. And so you, it's like, there's only so much seriousness we can get from a cartoon as adults before our brains just go, for God's sakes, will someone just throw a pie? Like, it, you, you just kind of want that. And so to get that is, you know, it's like a soul. Soul didn't have a lot of humor in it. I, and I, was, I don't know. I was just going to say that. Soul did have a lot of humor in it. Because it didn't stick with me. Like Tina Fey tried to be funny by being Tina Fey. Well, I mean, nothing about Soul really stuck. I think because it was like the first one that came out on Disney Plus, and people were not sure what to do with it because they were like, "Is this really a, a Pixar movie?" And they're like, "Yes." It's that no one can go to the theaters right now, and they were so like people kind of looked at it, or like kept it at arm's length. But I remember watching it and like thinking, like, "This is actually hilarious." But they didn't talk about that. It wasn't in the trailers. Like they didn't hype up any of the of the comedy. You know, so it's the same with this one. Like every trailer I saw for this one was where like it was it was just supposed to be shocked that she could turn into a giant fluffy panda and like, oh my God, look at this. How am I gonna hide this? And I thought the whole movie was gonna be her trying to hide that. Which yeah. it, it turned out not to be, which was fun, but yeah, the same thing. Like, like I had forgotten that in Soul he turns into the cat for half the movie. Because I was oh, thinking yeah. about it the other day, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right, he was a cat." <laughs> like, it, it just didn't stick with me. But I remember it being funny, and this was funny too. <laughs> She's like, "Actually, my mom doesn't like you," and her friend's like, "Wait, what?" The <laughs> <laughs> mom doesn't like the best friend. She's too weird. <laughs> like, really? 
know, it, it was a lot of little funny things like that. But they don't yeah. ever advertise that stuff. No, I, you know, they sh- they should. Yeah, it's it's a bigger draw, I think. I mean, the we all kind of expect the heavy emotional stuff from Pixar. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, Toy Stories three and four were just laden with it, and like Toy Story four especially was just. It was not quite a yuck fest, you know, like, yeah, you know, you need that. You need some of the levity to to break it up a little. When you're going to watch a cartoon, your brain just has the expectation that you're going to have a little bit of fun, you know, unless you're watching like, I don't know, Adult Swim and those shows are just weird. (laughs) And like, and that's ultimately that was the biggest problem with Inside Out was that it was, I mean, they were going so much for. How do we nail a metaphor for what, for what it's like to be 11 and going through a trauma? To the point where, like, you know, in, in my job, we actually use scenes from um, from that movie to illustrate to, to students struggling, w- you know, with emotional difficulties, you know, how this feeling looks like, like what it looks like to feel like this, the idea of, something being both happy and sad at the same time. And, you know, like the whole concept of like moving forward and your emotions not wanting to let go. And, you know, like you, when we talked about that years ago, you pointed out that like the, not only is there no villain in the movie, but all of the emotions from anger to sadness to joy to disgust, they all have the best interests of the main character, the girl at heart. They're all working to, to do what they think was going to make her happiest. And, you know, that's what your brain does when you're, when you're a little kid. It was such a perfect metaphor for all of this. It just turned out not to be that entertaining. It was just educational. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I mean, they, 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 they wanted to hit the concepts more. Yeah, I mean, there was there was some moments of you know of levity featuring of all people Richard Kind, <laughs> who plays yes. Bing Bong. He was the imaginary friend. Yeah, but like there are times where it seems that they're trying to lean into the like we're really quite deep. We you know we we make a different kind of movie over here at Pixar, and it's. You know, and I will say this for them because um, somebody else brought this up in a podcast I listened to, where like they are the only movie studio or branch of a studio making these kinds of movies, like you know, non-franchisable single-story, you know, coming-of-age yarns about you know thirteen-year-old girls in Toronto, Canada, like I. Don't know what province Toronto is in. That's why I call it Toronto, Canada. But like, you know, 30 years ago, this would have been made by Miramax and it would have cost $4 million and it would have, you know, won a bunch of minor awards and got a couple of, you know, nominations for Oscars for like best screenplay or whatever. And it would have been, you know, would have launched one person's career, maybe the director or, or the writer. But no one's making movies like that anymore with people. Like A twenty four is kind of, you know. I'm thinking of like uh, what was that awful movie about the two girls? Um, a book smart. Book smart. Like oh that. God. That kind of garbage. 
but good. I just picked up my brainstem. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. But like, you know, so instead of making a you know th- this kind of story with you know live action for a small budget, it's a two hundred million dollar movie and it's a cartoon. But I, you know, I I appreciate that there are these movies being made by somebody. Like there, 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 there's probably not going to be a you know turning red two. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice that they kind of got away from a lot of those sequels, you know, because even the sequels are pretty good. I mean, Monsters University is an entertaining film, and The Incredibles two, and all that stuff. But like, what made all those other films great was that they they had nice definitive endings, you know. There, there didn't need to be any more. Anything more was just extra. So it's like they've been on a, another bit of a tear here. I mean, they came out with Soul and Luca and Turning Red and even the the Lost Dinosaur, which was not great, but at least it was something different. You know, dinosaurs from the Wild West, where people were the like the pets. It was, it was interesting. Actually, I didn't know what that what that was about. Really, that's what it's about. That's what it's about, yeah. Like, what if dinosaurs hadn't been uh, gone extinct and, like, the humans were, like, the feral ones? It was okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So Jurassic Park, but for people. But for people. Interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. So, yeah, I just, I, 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 I think it's important to still make all different kinds of movies. It can't all be, like, it's the thing I, 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 I would say I liked most about the Batman was that it didn't look like every other damn Batman movie we've seen. It's, you know, it, yeah. wasn't, gr- it wasn't great, but it wasn't, it wasn't another great. another action, blow him up, shoot him up yarn. It was different. It was, yeah, it was something else. It, I, you know, and I don't particularly like some of the reviewers at the places where I read them, but one of them did say, you know, like, it made me feel something. I felt something watching the Batman movie. It was excitement and dread and it wasn't like oh here comes another cgi action scene or here comes another stupid thing where they're trying to just sell toys or things like that Uh, and i think that was my only problem with this was because i wasn't sure what i was supposed to be feeling that i had a hard time connecting to it you know like that scene with her and her mother in the forest is obviously really good but by then like i was taken too far out of it to like tear up or anything yeah no that's a good point I, I know what I'm supposed to be feeling at that point, but earlier I'm like when they're stepping on her and like she's a giant Godzilla-sized bear. I was like, oh, okay, so I couldn't connect like that. But you know, it was it it was trying to make me feel something. That's what you're going for with a movie or with any kind of story, really. Yeah, you know, and I and I think if people that have daughters, this is going to resonate with them more. Like, yeah, you know, my daughter's only to be three in a, a few weeks but like you know it's on your mind like what kind of dad am i going to be when this happens because it's going to happen well and, yeah that that's always going to happen depending on who you are and what stage of your life i mean yeah. no but yeah this is good so yeah it's a good hour and a half to kill sure it's just for something different you know if you you're still kind of like we're starting to come out of hibernation here into spring, but you know if you're stuck at home on a Saturday night, you can put this on. I would recommend it. Mm, uh, yeah, I guess I would do. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So if you guys have any thoughts about uh, turning red or, you know, giant red pandas or even regular sized red pandas, uh, you should let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We are at three drinks in pod on both. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to, sus- to subscribe to the podcast, leave ratings and reviews. Check out the store at T Public and also go over there and give Run and Gun a try and see how that is and let us know. Um, if you'd like to win a free uh, digital copy of Run and Gun and you've made it this far through the podcast, good for you. Uh, be on the lookout on our social media feeds for information as to how you might win your own d- digital copy of Run and Gun from Paramount Pictures. Um, is that it? That's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.